Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa usalli wa usallimu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Nabijina wa habibina wa kurrati ayunina Muhammad ibn Abdillah. Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi afdalu salati wa atamu taslim amma ba'd. We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is no doubt our creator, sustainer, nourisher, protector and curer. We ask him, the Lord of all worlds, the exalted for his help. We ask him to open doors of stability and prosperity for us. And we ask him to send his choicest of blessings and salutations upon the final messenger, our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, his family members, his companions, and all those who tread upon his path with utmost sincerity until the day of Qiyamah. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, I begin by reminding myself, by admonishing myself, and then all of you all who have tuned in to bring in a life of taqwa, and that is to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be conscious of your maker. And we must attempt to do this every single second of our lives. If we wish to attain victory and success in this world, as well as the hereafter, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from the people of taqwa, and may he make us from the victorious and successful ones. Ameen. For today's uh, Friday reminder, I would like to touch on a beautiful hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that has been recorded in the book of Imam Muslim, Rahimahullah. So we have the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam saying, and this is on the authority of Abu Malik al-Harith ibn Asim al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu. So an Abi Malik al-Harith ibn Asim al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, الطهور شطر الإيمان والحمد لله تملأ الميزان وسبحان الله والحمد لله تملأان ما بين السماء والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها so the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said that At-Tuhur, and this is going to be the main focus for today's reminder, At-Tuhur, purity, shatrul iman, is half of iman, Allahu Akbar, At-Tuhur, shatrul iman. And then he goes on to say, Walhamdulillahi tamla'ul mizan, and alhamdulillah, praise be to Allah, fills the scales, وَسُبْحَانَ وَالْحَمْدُ And subhanallah and alhamdulillah, they fill that which is between the heavens and the earth. وَالصَّلَاةُ نُورٌ And prayer, salah, is a light. Is a light. This light that, you know, and the, the metaphor here, the parable is so beautiful. Just imagine you are in this abyss of darkness. You're struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then when you turn to salah, it serves as a light. It lightens the burden on your shoulders. It relieves you of the weight, this crushing weight on your chest. Your life is in chaos. You're in this abyss and you feel like you're falling, falling, falling. There's no end to it. 
And then when you turn to salah, when you place your head in sujood unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you feel light, you feel relieved, you feel lightened, so beautiful, subhanallah. So having said that, we move on to the hadith. At-tuhuru shatrul iman. So purity is half of iman. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, we're going to be talking about tahara, at-tahara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the very beginning of the mission of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at the very beginning of revelation, he commands the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is the purest of them all, the purest of them all, our, our leader, our guide, our role model, our teacher, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Allah Azza wa Jal, he commands the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam in Surah Al-Muddathir. وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ Surah Al-Muddathir, which is the 74th chapter, ayah number 4. وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرْ قُمْ فَأَنذِرْ وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِّرْ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He commands the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, purify your garments. If this is the command given to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, the purest of them all, the leader, the role model, the guide, the teacher, then by extension, it definitely, definitely applies for all of us to turn to tahara, to turn to purity. And this, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, is a beautiful way to secure the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says in the Noble Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِّرِينَ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who turn to Him in tawbah, the ones, the tawabun, the ones who turn to Him in tawbah, in repentance. And Allah loves those who purify themselves. وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِّرِينَ In another place in Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّهِرِينَ And Allah loves those that purify themselves. So by turning to At-Tahara, by turning to purification, as we are going to be discussing, inshallah. In other words, we are going to discuss what this actually entails. What does Tahara entail? By turning to it, you are securing the love of your maker, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are securing the love of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we saw initially in the hadith, the Prophet sallallahu tells us that it is half of iman. So subhanallah, we, we, we call ourselves mu'minun. We call ourselves believers. So this is something that we must definitely turn to. So what is tahara now? At-tahara is an Arabic term. And literally you can define tahara as purification. To purify yourself, to distance yourself from that which is literally impure. Okay, so you have literal impurities. Like let's say for example, urine is considered something impure. So you literally, you wouldn't have, Islam wouldn't allow you to have now urine all over your clothes, all over your body. And you can't expect to consider yourself pure. So you have to distance yourself from that physical impurity. So literal slash physical 
impurities. And similarly, it also entails purifying yourself from metaphorical impurities. Now you might be wondering, what is this? Metaphorical impurities, what does that entail? What does it mean? We're going to see, inshallah. So the technical definition of At-Tahara, the technical definition, Shara'an, it is Raf'ul Hadathi wa Zawalul Khabath. It is to, again, come out of this state of Hadath, as we will discuss, inshallah. What is Hadath? And how do we come out of this state of, of Hadath? Now to quickly understand At-Tahara, you have to know that At-Tahara has two main categories. It divides itself into two main categories. What are these two categories? Category number one is where, and, and, and that I would say from the two categories is the most important one. Where At-Tahara, the purification deals with the inward, the purification of the heart. The purification of the heart, the inward. And category number two is the purification of the outward. So you have the purification of the inward, that which is hidden, batin, and that which is vahir, apparent, that which is outside. So in terms of purifying the inward, purifying the heart, you have impurities, my dear brothers and sisters, such as jealousy, hatred, envy, where you look down upon others, kibr, arrogance, pride. You have all these toxic impurities that make the heart impure, that make the inward of an individual impure. So this is something that a believer has to focus on in terms of purifying his or her heart. We have to strive towards purifying our hearts, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. And it is a work in progress. Just as how if you were to take your clothing, you can only wear it for a certain period of time because, before you start noticing that it is becoming dirty. As it starts to accumulate dirt and there is this bad uh, stench and smell that, that it picks up. So eventually you have to wash your clothing. You can't go on wearing and wearing and wearing it. You have to wash it. So similarly, our hearts are exposed to a number of things on a, on, a daily, on a daily basis. So a work in progress where we constantly keep on reevaluating, where we keep on taking ourselves to account. And, and this concept of taking ourselves to account is known as muhasaba. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he is reported to have said, take yourself into account before you are taken into account on the day of Qiyamah. We will all be taken into account by the true judge. Today, you know, we judge others. Left, right and center, unfortunately. We are judging people. But who is the true judge, my dear brothers and sisters? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave the judging to him and prepare yourself for his judgment. Prepare yourself for his judgment on his judgment day. Allahu Akbar. So take yourself into account before you are taken into account. So how do you take yourself into account? You constantly keep, you know, monitoring yourself, evaluating yourself, your deeds, your actions, your words, what comes out of your mouth, subhanallah. You work towards eradicating these toxic qualities where you constantly work on thinking good of others, giving others the benefit of the doubt. 
making excuses for others, avoiding this toxic, negative envy, jealousy, where you wish for the downfall of others, where, we, where you wish for the possessions of others, where you wish for what others own, where you wish for it to be stripped away from them and given to you, subhanallah. How negative can it get? How, 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 how toxic can it get? So this is something that a believer needs to work on in terms of purifying himself or herself. So like I said, this is the most important category. Why you may ask? Because you have to understand that these two categories, despite this one being more important, they go hand in hand. You can't obviously just say, you know what, this is the most important category. So I'm going to focus on this and let go of the other category. No, they go hand in hand. But why we emphasize and say that this is of utmost importance is because if you get the second category or if you seemingly think that you've gotten the second category. In other words, let's say your clothing is pure. Your apparent is pure. In other words, you are, mashallah, wearing very clean clothes. You have taken a bath. Your, the place that you are in is very clear, sanitized and whatnot. But deep down, your heart is a horrid place, subhanAllah. It is, it is impure, it is full of impurities. Then what is the point of the outward purity? What is the point of the outward purity if inside it is all filthy? So it's important that we understand the balance between these two categories. Where we are kind, loving, caring. Look at the messenger. He's a role model here. He's a role model. Look at him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A pure individual, inside, outside, subhanallah. A pure individual, a loving individual, a caring individual, a soft individual, inside and outside. So this is the concept of at-tahara. Now in terms of the outwardly, aspect or the outwardly category of At-Tahara. It's somewhat of a technical uh, discussion and obviously I can't cover all of it in the few minutes that I have with you all. But the gist of it is that you have at least two main categories within that category. One known as minor hadith and the other known as the major hadith. So the minor hadith to understand it, it is you're going into a state of impurity where you can only come out of it by purifying yourself through wudu. So say for example, after passing urine, after answering the call of nature, you basically go into this state known as minor impurity. And to come out of it, you need to perform ablution. And look at us as, as believers, my dear brothers and sisters. Look at how beautiful our deen, it teaches us. It teaches us to wash our hands, wash our faces, our feet. We come out rejuvenated. We come out experiencing this, this sense of tranquility, this sense of peace, this sense of ease, this sense of refresh, this sense of, of uh, cleanliness. We feel lightened. Look at what a beautiful blessing wudu is, my dear brothers and sisters. And we know of the virtues with regards to wudu. That the limbs that have been washed will be glowing when we stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just, you know, like washing it for the sake of washing. No, it's an act of ibadah. It is an act of worship where you are purifying yourself, okay? 
And on top of that, you are being rewarded for it. Subhanallah. It cleanses you. It cleanses you of your, of your uh, impurities. Subhanallah. And on the day of Qiyamah, when you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be glowing. This is a, uh, a beautiful virtue that has been bestowed upon the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the, the minor category. As for the major category, to come out of it, it would entail you taking a complete bath. So say for example, after spouses indulge in sexual intimacy with one another. Now the two of them enter into this state. The two of them enter into this particular state. Or perhaps after ex experiencing an individual, after he or she experiences a wet dream. Now they would enter into this state. To come out of this state, you would have to take a complete bath. Again, look at the beauty of the deen. Look at the beauty of the deen. You've indulged in your desires. And now you come out, you take a bath. You refresh yourself, you rejuvenate yourself, and now you are upon purity again. So this is the outwardly aspect. I've, I've given the gist of both aspects, and maybe inshallah, in one of our upcoming reminders and sermons, we look at trying to address the inwardly aspect in more detail and the outwardly aspect in more detail. As we conclude, I would like to once again remind ourselves that through this, my dear brothers and sisters, you are securing the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you secure the love of Allah azza wa jal, see today, we consider ourselves privileged when we perhaps get close to certain individuals. Let's say you have people in power, people of influence, people of affluence. It's all about networking. It's all about getting close to them. It's all about, you know, building connections and whatnot. Why? Because we feel secure. You know what? I have so-and-so on my, on my speed dial. I have so-and-so, you know, I have very close connections with so-and-so. So-and-so is my very good friend, you know, and whatnot. Just imagine if you have secured the love of the maker, the love of the maker, the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is... This is something that a lot of us, we fail to understand the depth of it. The depth of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fountainhead of love. The source of love. The creator of love. The maker of love. We tend to put other things or other people in place of where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to be put in our hearts. We are setting ourselves as well as those individuals up for failure. Take, for example, the case of two spouses. The, uh, just the, you know, the last week I officiated, uh, a few days ago actually, I officiated a uh, marriage and I touched on this with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When it comes to two spouses, you know, at the, at the outset of the marriage, okay, on the, on the day of officiating the marriage, you know, obviously... It's very exciting and, you know, you've got butterflies in your stomach and all of that, mashallah. Nice feelings. And at this point, you know, what happens is we need, to, we, need to, we need to have the right expectations of marriage. This is of utmost importance. So when spouses look at one another, it is important that they don't set themselves up for failure. And how does that happen? You, may, you, you, you might ask. 
You look at your spouse. Let's say let's let's talk about the example of Abdullah and Fatima. So Abdullah looks at Fatima. Okay. And you know for Fatima, Abdullah mashallah maybe he's a very nice individual, good looking, kind, all of that. You know every good trait out there. But Fatima needs to understand that Abdullah is a human being at the end of the day. He is not perfect. Who is perfect? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect. So eventually, Abdullah can tend to slip. Abdullah can make mistakes. Now, if you have gone and put Abdullah on a pedestal of, of perfection, now you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. And similarly, if Abdullah were to put Fatima in a similar place, now she's setting herself up for, uh, for disappointment. She's setting Abdullah up for failure. On the other hand, if you look at marriage, the union, this, this, this powerful institution, I mentioned that this is, I would say, the most powerful institution in the world, subhanAllah. It, it can bring about indescribable joy, happiness, contentment, peace. And I also mentioned on the flip side, it can be one of the most miserable relationships. It can push you to a level of isolation that you have never ever felt elsewhere. You can feel so lonely within a marriage. You can feel so much of hurt and pain within a marriage. The flip side of it. Now, does that mean, now because we just said this, does that mean that now, oh, you know what? I'm not getting married. We had run away from marriage. No. It is all the more important because you understand this, that you have your expectations right when it comes to marriage to, to, to avoid putting yourself in this predicament. You see, uh, with fairy tales, you read books. What happens? You generally have this knight in shining armor who saves his damsel who is in distress, the princess, if you will. And then what happens? They sail off into the sunset. And how does the book end? They lived happily ever after. But for us believers, and when you look at things from a realistic perspective, that's actually when the journey begins as the couple embarks on this chapter. Now, the whole point of me mentioning this is because as believers, we need to look at the union of marriage in a wholesome way. That this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah azza wa jal to do what? To show us his love. And so we must use this union, this blessing to get closer to him. By doing so, by doing so, he is going to bless this union and keep us happy as a team, as, as two individuals, as spouses. So similarly, every aspect, you look at tahara, you're looking at it as a means to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You look at salah as a means to get closer to Allah azza wa jal. You look at your sadaqah as a means to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the end of the day, it is all about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For a believer, it is all about the maker subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is all about securing his love. And through al-tahara, through purification, you are going to be able to secure the love of your maker, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my dear brothers and sisters, 
work towards studying about at-tahara, about purification, about purifying your inward as well as your outward. Work towards it and you will inshallah secure the love of your maker subhanahu wa ta'ala. With that, I conclude this short reminder. I look forward to talking to you all in another live stream perhaps or you know through another video inshallah ta'ala or perhaps we might even meet bi'idhnillahi ta'ala so jazakumullahu khaira for tuning in this is Mu'iz Bukhari signing off wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh